Today in The Prairie Citizen, we have our second interview, this one with Fred Nielsen about the meaning of baseball. What does it mean to us as Americans? And are there any values that we can apply from baseball to the rest of our lives? So here's Fred. So Fred, who are you? Well, I'm Fred Nielsen. I am a member of First Central Congregational Church. I teach history at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. And um, one of the reasons I'm here, I understand, is to talk about one of my lifelong interests, and that is baseball. So why baseball? What do you love about it? Well, let's start with what isn't the answer. Okay. There are some very, very smart people, poets and writers and other intellectuals, who maybe or maybe can't hit a curveball, <laughs> but they've decided that baseball is the secret to the cosmos. There, there's a, a famous quotation in baseball circles from the cultural historian Jacques Barzin to the effect that to know the mind and heart of America, one must learn baseball. And that's one of those quotations. It sounds really cool, the kind you like to repeat, and it's so not true. <laughs> um, I can't imagine that Ty Cobb or Babe Ruth or Marvelous Marv Throneberry were trying to unlock cosmic secrets or the secret of America when they were trying to play baseball. It's fun. And as a kid, it was just fun to run around with your friends hit the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball, and that's where it started. So just a love of play. Part of it is, is uncomplicated play, but uh, one of my most vivid memories, actually, of, of playing with my friends was the day, I don't remember how old we were, one of my friends could no longer play because her parents had forbidden it. Chris was the girl across the street and she was the second fastest kid in our neighborhood. The fastest was her brother, who was a year older. She was as good or in some ways better than any of the boys. Mm -hmm. um, she and her little sister grew up playing ball with us across the street in their big, big yard. But then there was one day, we were on the field, ready to play, and there was my friend Chris, who was my age, sitting on their front steps crying. Uh. And I, I couldn't figure out why. And in a sense, to this day, even though I got the official answer, I still don't understand why her parents had decided that Chris could no longer do this. Well, thank goodness times have changed. But um, while there are a lot of good times associated with playing ball with mm -hmm. my friends, that is seared into my memory as, as one of those things that the adult world throws at kids and leaves them to puzzle out. So it seems that all adult baseball fans leave the joyful play and are really numbers people. Your your statement is, I would say, 99.98% correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and that becomes another part of it. Uh, I don't know if it's true for absolutely everyone, but, but baseball, unlike a lot of other games, although some are trying to catch up, has a, a, a tradition and a history stretching back to the 19th century and the numbers are a part of that. There, there is at least the illusion of, of being able to evaluate the quality of a player, not only in his own time, but across decades. How does this batting average in, say, 1900 compare with a batting average in 2017? Um, and so part of the fascination, you're exactly right, is, 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 is with the numbers. They, they seem to convey a kind of a perennial 
truth about the game and insight into the game. Um, some people, I won't name names, but one of them is sitting at this table, once bought a computer game that could make adjustments for players playing in different eras. What if Babe Ruth had played in 1905? <laughs> How many home runs would he have hit? <laughs> um, if, if Ruth had played during the steroid era, how many home runs would he have hit? My answer was, I forgot we're not revealing the name of the person. Um, the answer that came <laughs> up was uh, like 95 or something. So anyway, the numbers are a lot of fun, but they become like a lot of things more complicated the more you understand them. You can quote Walt Whitman on the playing of, of, of baseball. I think he makes it two words. John Updike has written eloquently about things like Tom, Ted Williams' last at bat in the major leagues. And there have been novelists who have, who've done things with baseball too. Um, uh, one of my favorite baseball books was that by Robert Coover called The Universal Baseball Association about an old lonely guy who has, I guess to amuse himself, invented a dice baseball game that uh, he plays by himself at his kitchen table and which covers absolutely every conceivable event balls, strikes, hits, outs, but that's uh, just, just the start of it. Um, J. Henry Waugh, the man who's created this baseball universe, um, is playing one day and his favorite player, a young player who's just come up, he gives them all names and life stories, his favorite player has just come up, uh, a player he thinks is almost perfect, he, he, he views almost like his son, and then the roll of the dice comes, and then another roll of the dice, and because J. Henry Waugh's universe of dice rolls includes every possibility, his favorite player, the one like unto his son, lies dead, <laughs> killed by a pitched baseball. And so J. Henry Waugh, whose initials are J. H. W., who has created this baseball universe, um, invites us to ask, does God play dice with the universe? Mm -hmm. And what happens when his favorite player lies dead? Uh, you find it in, in, in movies as well. Sometimes it's, it's a, a kind of uh, sentiment that seems beyond reason. Um, if you've seen Field of Dreams, of course, the movie, yeah. um, I, it's, it's fun, it's entertaining. Uh, but um, this movie with Kevin Costner and uh, 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 James Earl Jones, um, and the book it's based on, in which uh, the, the writer turns out to actually in the book be um, 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 J.D. Salinger. It's sort of sort of goofy, honestly. I'm not sure that there's any more depth in most of these literary explorations than there is in the, the notion that you must understand baseball to learn uh, what America is all about. Virtually everyone now knows who wore number 42. Uh, for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, Major League Baseball has retired Jackie Robinson's number, the number of the first African-American to play in the Major Leagues in the 20th century. Um, and that's obviously to be celebrated. Um, although there are some things that complicate that story too a little bit, um, partly because of the rise of football and basketball professionally, the number of African-Americans in Major League Baseball is steadily declining. I don't have the numbers at hand, but uh, uh, African Americans in Major League Baseball are not all that far from where they were, I think, 20 or 30 years ago. On the other hand, another reflection of the way the country has changed is the uh, the rise in the number of um, Hispanic players. 
Um, and, and the acceptance of those players has, has, has changed as well. I remember in that first World Series I saw back in 1960 on our black and white TV, um, the Pittsburgh Pirates' best player was someone called Roberto Clemente, a Hall of Famer now. Um, it wasn't unusual to hear this um, Spanish-speaking player referred to by American announcers as Bob or Bobby. Mm. That was not his name, and, and he, he recoiled at, at not being called by his name. Um, it's only in the last year or two, I think, that Major League Baseball has finally began spelling the names of um, Spanish-speaking players on the backs of their jerseys with the appropriate accents. Mm. Um, that has been not part of the game. And so just as in one way Bob Clemente was not Roberto Clemente, so leaving out the proper spelling is to hide the true identity of Hispanic players up until almost recently. It's not that baseball is really what the historian Jock Barzin said it was the gateway to understanding America, but the fact that it is no longer what it once was, and that's clearly true. Baseball has been supplanted by football, um, the World Series by the Super Bowl, can allow us to ask some questions. Um, one writer said that baseball was what America used to be and football is what it is today. Um, we were once a pastoral, rural nation and played baseball in a field. Uh, we were once a nation that moved at slower speeds mm -hmm. than we do today. A baseball game takes a while to unfold and a 162 baseball game season takes a while to happen too. Um, football is different and, and how are those differences meaningful? I don't know. Uh, what, what are we to make of our preference now for a game that is, well, quite frankly, brutal and let's not kid ourselves, uh, destroys bodies and brains? Uh, what does that say about us as a culture? What does football say about us when it, unlike baseball or softball, is played almost without exception by men? It seems rather retrograde in that oh. sense. My, my, my friend Chris notwithstanding, she, she was born too soon, but no one thinks anything about a girl picking up a bat and a ball today. Football is another matter. Um, what are we to make of a preference for a game that is with the exception of Canada, an exclusively American sport. It's American football, as if to distinguish it from the football that the rest of the world plays. It's like uh, baseball is played around the globe. Um, we're turning in on ourselves and becoming more brutal, in a sense. Uh, football and baseball are different games, and maybe they reflect different things about us as a people, as a culture. For many years, American historians used to debate whether the history of our nation was better understood in terms of conflict or consensus. The, the consensus people made the case that from the beginning, this nation has been obviously divided along lines of race and class. Um, throw in a civil war and the case for a country whose story is, is argument and even violence, conflict of various kinds seems pretty easy to make. On the other hand, uh, there were those historians who argued that while the conflicts are there, certainly, uh, it's also important to recognize that uh, there has been glue that binds us together 
after 200 plus years, the United States of America, whatever the tensions are, whatever the arguments are, is still around. There must be something binding us together. There are ages old divisions, passions, fan loyalties that go back a century. Um, I don't know if even now the Boston Red Sox fans have quite gotten over what was uh, known as the curse of the Bambino. Uh, when in the 19 teens their um, cash strapped owner sold off this promising player named Babe Ruth to the Yankees um, so he could pay off his debts. Um, that was the beginning of the Yankee uh, ascendancy and the beginning of years in the wilderness for the Boston Red Sox. Passions run deep. Um, people can be very strongly loyal to their team. And yet, apart from that conflict, there's consensus. They're playing the same game by the same rules. They can be drawn to the same baseball parks, to the same stories, to the same novels, to Field of Dreams or whatever it might be. They can love the game, its history. They can play the game according to the same rules, argue about its results, and yet still come together. And I, I think in some ways that second part is what Americans in 2017 are on the verge of forgetting. We know the conflict part. We know how to argue with people, sometimes pretty violently. But we've forgotten that we are, as participants in a democratic system, part of something we share and, and that there are certain rules to what we're up to. Um, it would not work. It would not work if the Red Sox and the Yankees went on the field one day and one played by the rules of baseball and the other played by the rules of football. Um, I think our politics has almost ascended to that point mm -hmm. and we must remind ourselves that we do have traditions and we share in civic rituals and participations of citizenship which require common understanding of what we're all about, and then the arguments can continue. This is the Prairie Citizen, wishing you a good day. The Prairie Citizen is brought to you by First Central Congregational Church at the corner of 36th and Harney in Omaha, Nebraska, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are more than welcome. To learn more about this podcast and the work we do at First Central, visit our website at www.firstcentral.org.